Good morning. How's everyone doing? Yeah, good. Good. Big welcome to the overflow room. I trust there's, if there's people in there. <laughs> welcome to you. And welcome to all those joining online as well. Awesome that you can be with us and, and join us. Um, as Amber said, my name's Ryan, for those of you who don't know me. Um, and look, just uh, one of the songs there, one of the lines was talking about the best is yet to come. And it was talking about, I think one of the lines was the best is yet to come in him. And I just, that kind of really struck me deep in my spirit. And I sense that, and it could be a general word of encouragement and maybe specifically as well, but that is true, the best is yet to come in him. And so while we look around us with the world and everything that's going on around us and surrounding us, just have hope that the best is yet to come in him. Maintain that hope, um, that the best is yet to come. So I just felt really you know, strongly uh, to say that, that that really resonated with me um, in, that, in that song. So yeah, cool. So look, I'm excited to bring the word this morning and I've titled the, the message, This One Thing I Do. This one thing I do. And look, I don't know about you, but I want to live an easy life, a predictable life, you know, no qualms, no sort of troubles or challenges or anything like that. I want life to kind of go on a linear uh, gradient, a linear line, and even if it's just a you know, slight progression in that line, I feel I'd be okay with that. And so um, I'm sure many of you could, could relate to that. I saw this um, meme or this message or slogan, whatever you like, on Facebook the other day, and it says this, when you're a child, you want to be a teenager. When you're a teenager, you want to be an adult. When you're an adult, you want to be a cat. And so <laughs> I feel that is so relatable. I, um, I look at my cat sometimes and think, you know, you can come in and out the cat door when you want, you can eat and drink when you like. Um, you can nap in the day or night whenever, as cats do. They do what they like, eh? They go on adventures or, or whatever. Don't pay any rent. Don't work. Don't, you know. And so there's sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes, I, yeah, you've got it pretty good. I feel like I like to be a cat. But we know that life's not like that, eh? We know that life's not easy. It's not simple most of the time. It's it's, uh, there's some challenges, there's some difficulties, and, and while we like, may like to be a cat, we are not a cat, um, life can be hard, can be challenging. Have you ever found that at times you might be in a time of stress or you've got pressures in your life and it feels like you're just surrounded maybe by pressure and by stress and by uh, difficult times? And in that press, pressure and, and, and stress, you make comments like, or you, you say to yourself, and you might say it out loud, but you're going to say, you know, this one thing I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on these key things. I'm going to prioritise this. I'm just going to focus on, you know, making one step at a time, or I'm just going to focus on, on moving forward. And I think when, when press, pressure and stress come into our lives, it certainly leads us to uh, refining our lives, often resulting in, you know, we make decisive decisions, we reassess, we, we refocus, uh, we prioritise what's important in our lives, and that's what pressure and stress, stress can do. It really brings us back to go, okay, what's important? What do I need to focus on? What do I need to prioritise? 
And we find in the book of uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14, the Apostle Paul says something quite similar to those statements. So he says this, starting at verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended or been perfected or whatever, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So this morning we're going to look at that, specifically we're going to look at those statements a bit deeper. We're going to try and unpack those a bit more. And But before that, um, we're just going to pray together. Let's pray together. So Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for your spirit being with us. I thank you, God, that we, as what was brought out in that time of worshipping you in song, Lord, that we can draw near to you, that we can lean on you, that we can hear your voice, that we can sense what you're, you're saying, and that you are so close, just a whisper away, Lord, you want us to draw near to you, and we thank you that you're here uh, this morning in that way, Lord God, you're in the midst of us, God, and I pray that, God, that you would open our eyes, uh, that you would open our ears to hear what you're saying, to hear your voice, um, Lord, that's what matters this morning, to really hear from you. And so, God, I pray that as I uh, preach this message, as I communicate it, Lord, that it would be about hearing you this morning and looking unto you for all of us, Lord, because, God, it's about you having an impact in our lives eternally to set us free, to know your truth, to know you, and to walk in even a greater way for your glory, honour, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so often when we look at that, those, those scriptures, we can look at it in such a way that that scripture about forgetting about things behind and pressing on, and many of you have probably seen that um, in social media or posted or on a Christian athlete's page or perhaps a Christian businessman or something like that. And a lot of that time we can sort of relate to that because in business or as an athlete, you know, often there's obvious obstacles and challenges that you're facing, and that's like quite a good, you know, scripture to promote and, and be a banner and that sort of thing. And it's one we like to uh, promote a lot. And, but just before we perhaps say amen to that and perhaps uh, give each other high fives or pats on the back or, or whatever, we'll just back the truck up just a little bit and look into that scripture in terms of the implications of that and what that, what that means. So when we think about that word pressing on, when we think about that word pressing on, when we're pressing, we're pressing against something, are we? aren't we? And we're not pressing against something that's for us, because if something's for us, it's going in the same direction as us. So we're actually pressing against something. We're pressing against uh, opposition. We're pressing against something that's, that's contrary to us, pressing on to the upward call in Christ Jesus, to walk, walking forward to the goal, to the, to the prize, to following God. And so naturally, when we're pressing against something, the default of that is, is that we're going to face opposition, we're going to face uh, resistance, we're going to face some difficult times. And we can guarantee that there's going to be persecution, there's going to be, whether that be spiritually, whether that be from other people, whether that be overtly or, or discreetly, but there's going to be 
when we press on, we're actually taking up, uh, taking up ground for the kingdom of God, which by default, we're taking up ground from the kingdom of darkness. So there's going to be some opposition and, and resistance. In the, in the um, book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 12, in the New King James Version, it says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I need to obviously personally take this on board, you know, that to, to press on forward and to keep it not as a striving thing, not as a necessarily a works thing, but a constant attitude and a constant perspective of pressing on. And like I said earlier, um, I confess to wanting to be a cat. So I need to particularly take that on, on board. And I think, you know, we all need to as, as Christians to take that on. Paul also says when he reaches forward to things that are ahead, and before he says that, he says he forgets those things which are behind. He forgets those things which are behind. And so when we think about forgetting the things that are, are behind, we also look at that statement and think, yeah, I can agree with that. I can come on board with that. That, that sounds pretty good. But forgetting about the things is also a real, forgetting about the things behind is also a really challenging thing to do. And the reason for that, I think personally, I don't necessarily want to forget about the things behind me because I want to use those as excuses for not pressing on forward. And so Paul says that we need to forget about the things behind me. And I can quite liken it to a pack of cards. And often we can come to God and we've got the spirit, if as Christians we've got the spirit of God within us. So we have desires, we have a passion to, to follow him, to be led by him, to, to do his will. And But often we can come to God and go, God, I want to do your will. I want to be obedient and, and faithful to you. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I want to live holy for you. I want to do your whole will and, and, and do that you know, to the, the best I can in your grace. But sometimes God can call us and, and lead us into things and he can be calling us and we can sense his leading and his guiding into doing something and we can be like, oh no God, look, um, look I, I want to do it but look, I'm, I'm just going to hold out my fear card. I'm just going to use my fear card uh, for that because, look, that, that sounds pretty scary and uh, that sounds pretty frightening and, and God, you're, God, surely you don't want me to be scared and afraid and, and perhaps we can sit down and pray or maybe work out another way. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to use my fear card here and uh, maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow. Or it could be that he's calling you to do something and leading you to do something and you think, well, you know, that's, that's uncomfortable. There's going to be some pre pressure. There's going to be some stress uh, related to that. And so, God, I'm going to hold out my comfort card. You know, surely you don't want me to live and be uncomfortable. You know, you're a good God. You, you want me to, to be comfortable and live a nice, easy life. So I'm going to hold out my, my comfort um, card. And maybe, yeah, well, maybe we'll talk about that and we'll work out another way. But um, I'll sit on it for a while. Who can relate to that? Yeah. So it's a bit like that, eh? So forgetting about the things behind, is actually, in the context of what Paul's talking about, is actually a really challenging uh, thing to do because we're literally forgetting about those things behind as they, uh, in the light of following God, in the light of pressing on in God, we neglect them, we dismiss them, 
they don't have light all day, or the priority first comes of following God over those things. So forgetting about things behind is, is a difficult thing. And I think sometimes what we can do with our cards is go, okay, God, here's my hand of cards. I'm going to show you it all. I'm going to show you, look, I'm feeling fearful. I'm dealing with fear. I'm dealing with discomfort. Uh, here are some of my difficulties and challenges and weaknesses. Um, here it is. I'll just show you fully. So I'm going to lay, I'm going to forget about these things and move on. But what we do is we go, here they are, God, but then we can take them back. So we're showing him, and sometimes I think we can think we've laid them down or surrendered them, but really we're just showing them to God, and then we can take them back on board, right? But I think what we're really called to do, and forgetting about the things behind, we're really called to go like this. We're really called to go, okay, God, here are my things. Let's work through, you know, here's what I'm feeling. Here's my fears. Here's my worries, anxieties. Here's the challenges and the things that I'm facing, my weaknesses, etc. And so I'm going to show you these things, but actually, God, I'm just going to lay them down to you. You take them. You take all of it. I'm going to forget about it. I'm going to lay it down to you, and I'm going to press on forward. So those things are not going to restrict me, are not going to limit me, are not going to come up or hinder me pressing on, because we need to first forget about the things behind to actually press on forward to the upward call in Christ. It's an important step. It's a, it's a prerequisite, if you like, or a thing beforehand to do that before we actually press on. We need to realize the things that are holding us back from our past. We need to realize the things that are getting away and hindering our lives to the call of God. doesn't mean that those things are insignificant or don't matter. In fact, they matter hugely in the eyes of God more than any person living, they, they matter, and God cares, but if those things are holding us back, God wants us to lay them down, forget about them, give them to him so that we can actually uh, press on in him. Amen? Does that sound all right? Yeah, cool. God's word does have, it does have promises and scriptures about our well-being, about our health. There's a lot of scriptures and promises there, and, and obviously that's high priority for for God, for, for us, and, and particularly the last sort of season of my life, or very recently, I've had to really focus on that and work that out myself in terms of my health and my well-being, um, and so it's, it is really important. However, in saying that, the call of God to press on means that we're going to face some discomfort, we're going to face some opposition, we're going to face some resistance, and the Bible actually talks about being prepared for that, to actually count the cost of following him to count the cost of pressing on, to count the cost of following him in a way of laying it all down, because there is, there is a cost, one in the world we live in, one in the enemy that we face spiritually and what that means for us. But God is way bigger than that cost, and his, his glory is way bigger than any other cost. You know, the cost doesn't even compare to the glory um, revealed from him, and so it's worth it. Like any investment, you look at it, you go, that's worth investing into, and in God, and, and the things of God, and walking with Him, any investment, any cost, returns, dividends of multiple fold, multiple, multiple fold, we know that from what the Bible encourages us right through, so the cost to following Him uh, is worth it, is worth it. Just trying to catch up on my notes, because I don't think I'm following them completely. You'd probably notice that. So we're dealing with that for our entire lives, right? So we've, we've, we've got different cards that come up in our lives. We might pick up those cards. 
but it's a continual daily walk where we're laying those things down, where we're choosing to acknowledge them before God, come before them for God and lay those things down. God, these things are going to get in the way. And the Holy Spirit helps because he convicts us, he shows us those things. But we actually go, okay, God, I'm going to lay those things down. Today, I'm following you. This day, choose whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's making that choice every single day. From the, also from the Apostle Paul in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, um, part of verse 9 and verse 10, and I'll give, I'll give it some more context, so don't worry, I'm not taking parts of verses and trying to um, twist them or anything like that. That's part of verse 9 and verse 10, so just bear with me for a moment. So the Apostle Paul says this in verse 9, Therefore most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me, Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. It's like, Paul, are you mad? Like, what's your deal, man? Like, that's crazy, eh? But in the context of, in the context of God, you know, that, there's a context there that we're going to talk about. So when I played rugby, it's over 10 years ago now, but when I played rugby, um, there's a few things. One, when we went out there, it was about you know, giving it your, your absolute all. Obviously, you've done the training, you've done everything, all the prep, all that, that you needed to. But then when you're out there, it's about you know, obviously giving it your absolute all, leaving everything out on the field and that. Um, when we come off the field and if we had a win, um, it was a good feeling to get, lay it all down, give it your all and obviously know that you've won, which is ideal. But um, one thing that um, we didn't boast necessarily our individual performance. One, it, it's not really Kiwi culture. Two, it probably be a little bit weird because it's all about the team and that sort of thing. But what we did kind of boast in, whether said or unsaid or did, if I might use this term, glory in, was actually the ruck marks that we got. So particularly as forwards, I played as a loose forward, and I don't, you can't ruck in rugby now, but when I played when you could ruck, which makes me sound really old, um, I'm you're coming up to my 20s. No, I'm not really. I'm actually, no, I, won't, I won't reveal my age. Don't need to. But, um, but you could ruck. And so we would come off the field and like, it would be like, you know, like big, you know, like red marks down your back and bruises. And my thought, if you've got a cut eye or a bruised eye, like there was like worth 100 points. And, you know, you'd glory in that. And um, you would, it would be like this sort of, might have been said or unsaid. If it was said, it would be like, man, you see that, that guy, he lost it. He got so annoyed with me because my role as a loose forward or a loose forward's role generally in rugby is to be the biggest nuisance you can be to the other team, to turn over their ball, to stifle momentum, to get momentum for your team and do it within the parameters of the law but push every boundary that you can because obviously it was up to the interpretation of the ref and if you're yeah, skilled professional players, study refs and things like that. But so you'd come off and you'd be bruised and, and battered and you'd be glorious. And what that was like, it was like it was a mark that you'd been in the thick of it. You know, it was a mark on your body, marks on your body that you'd, you'd been in the game. You know, you'd participated, you had given it your all. It could also be that you're probably lying on the ball or something like that longer than you should or something like that, or you become a target. But it was a mark that you'd been in the, been in the game. And I think... Paul was talking something along those lines when he boasted in those, boasted in those things. And just to give some context, so um, 
in going through those verses again, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'll read them out in full now, verses 9, starting at verse 9. And he said to me, this is God speaking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul, just to give some more context, so Paul initially asked, he had what was called a thorn in the flesh, and it said that he was getting multiple, he was getting revelations from God, and it said, lest he be puffed up beyond measure, there was like a messenger of Satan, a, a spiritual darkness that, that opposed him, a messenger of Satan, a buffeter to buffet his, his way, and, and it was what was described as a thorn in the flesh, and we don't really know what that thorn in the flesh is. Some scholars, different people might have some ideas, but to my knowledge, I don't think we know what that, that is, which keeps it general for us, eh, in terms of being applicable for our, our lives, which is good. But Paul boasted in those infirmities. He boasted in those things. And I think that what happens is when we go through stuff, when we go through difficult times, like, like Paul, if we can, like Paul could boast in these things, because what he was saying is that, yes, I'm going through persecution, and yes, I'm going through difficulty, and yes, I'm going through infirmity or reproaches or distresses and all those things, and, and I'm, I'm going through those things, and yes, I wish they weren't really here. Um, I've pleaded for those things to, to go away, but I'm going to boast in these things because God's grace is sufficient for me because God is greater than those things, because God's grace is going to sustain me, because in the underbelly and undergirding, everything is the truth of the word of God, is the victory of, of Christ. And when we can boast in these things, we can say, actually, enemy or powers of darkness, you can come against me with your biggest assault from hell, but actually God's grace is still sufficient. Actually, God is, is even strong when I'm weak. Actually, I can do, as was described this morning, I can do all things through Christ who, who strengthens me. And then what it does, it actually isolates the strength and the goodness of God. Because actually, in the middle of what we're going through, in the midst of what we're going through, even to a certain extent, because of what we're going through, God's glory and goodness can shine like never before. His light can shine in the darkness like never before. He can, we can have a testimony of overcoming. We can have a testimony of the goodness and grace of God because it makes it real, because it isolates it, because God is with us in the thick of the battle. He's with us in the thick of it as Christians. And he can work all things together for good. He is with us. His promises are yes and amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Paul is saying, no matter what this world throws at me, no matter what's going on, if, if it happens, I'm going to boast in it because God's grace is sufficient. Because even when, at my weakest, and when we're pressing on, we do get weak, we do face opposition. But actually, when I am weak, then still my God is strong. Still he is solid. Still he can, I can still do all things through him who strengthens me. In Psalm, 70, Psalm uh, chapter 73, Verses 26, in the New International Version, it says this, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In Psalm 23, in part of verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
So our job, what's our job then in the midst of what we're going through? Well, Paul said this one thing that he does, he forgets about the things behind and presses forward to the things that are ahead. And God will take care of the rest. You know, when I, I've been doing uh, a bit of running uphill recently and this particular challenge I'm doing, and I've, I've figured out something that might sound you know, simple or profound, however you might like it, but I've found that if I keep swinging my arms, my legs follow. So if I find that if I do this action, like this, then actually I can get up to the top of that hill. So, I, yeah, yeah, thank you for that response, Adele. So look, so no matter, so no matter what we're going through, like, I'm like, man, my, I'm, my lungs are burning, I'm getting a bit fitter now, which is good, but, you know, my legs are tired and that, but actually, Christianity is, is, is different, I'm not saying, I'm not undermining how hard it is, but it's simple, in that if we just keep moving our arms, our legs will follow, if we just keep being obedient to God, if we just keep trusting and relying on Him and doing those core things, if we forget about the things behind and press on forward to the things that are ahead, then God takes care of all the rest. God takes care of all the rest. What um, pressure and, and stress and those sorts of things do, and when we're pressing on, what we're doing is, when we're pressing on, we're actually going on the offense. So we're actually, we're not going with the flow of life. Pressing on does not mean that everything's nice and easy and, and lovely jubbly, if I could use that term, and sweet as, and this is all nice and pretty and stuff like that. Pressing on is actually going, I am pressing on. I am actually going forward. I'm not going with the flow of things. I'm actually pressing on to the upward call in Christ. And when we do that, what happens is we can see the opportunities that are there. However insignificant they might be, we can see the opportunities, even the little things in life. We can go, I'm, I'm going to grab that opportunity with both hands. Because I know that opportunity is insignificant and as little as it might seem, in God, in the hands of God, is limitless because he's a limitless God. And God, I'll take whatever opportunity that you give me. And so that's what pressing on and pressure and stress does. And there's some examples of that in Scripture in, in the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 41 to 44 in the New International Version. It says this, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put, in, has put more into the treasury than all the others they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on, all she had to live on. And so I could imagine, I could imagine Jesus watching people going up into the temple, into the temple treasury and however they did it and putting um, their money into the offering. And I can imagine Jesus watching this, and I can imagine that there was, you know, rich people, immaculate dressed. Uh, they would have a big smile on their face, perhaps. And as they were walking down, they were probably greeting different people and had a good reputation in the place that they lived, knowing, known for being successful. 
known for being wealthy, known for resourcing the temple, resourcing God's work. And so you would have many rich people giving a lot out of their abundance. And as people see that, probably a view of the church go, oh, that's awesome. More resource, that's awesome. More money coming into the church. I encourage you to do that, but <laughs> if I could say that unashamedly. But more money coming into the church, um, more of that. And, and people probably had that view that these people are successful and these people are giving a lot. And then there would have been this poor widow, and I could imagine that she would have been walking up to put her two little cents into the offering. I could imagine that the stress and the pressures of life and the things that she's going through was visible on her face and her eyes. I could imagine her, her clothes would have been not immaculate, not fine clothes, but probably ragged and maybe torn and um, that sort of thing. I could imagine her walking up just quietly, probably without a fuss, and actually just giving two cents, two copper coins, two cents into that offering. And I can imagine Jesus' response, something like this. If anyone needs a standing ovation today, if anyone deserves some recognition, if anyone deserves some praise, if anyone deserves a pat on the back, if anyone deserves that, it is that lady there. It is that lady there. Because she didn't count her two cents, she didn't count the little that she had to be insignificant when giving to God. Because even the insignificant things that we have, even the little opportunities, however minimal they might be, in the hands of a living God, submitted to Him, given to Him, being unto Him and trusting in Him, He can do exceedingly abundantly more than what we ask or think according to His power that works within us. Doesn't matter about the opportunity necessarily. Doesn't matter necessarily in some respects what's in our hand, but use what's in your hand. Use the opportunities that you have because God can do exceedingly abundantly more. I'll catch up on my notes again. <clears throat> There's another account in the book of Matthew, chapter 15, verses 28, 21. starting at verse 21 to 28. And I'll just read it out. Then then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So that woman was obviously in a desperate, dire circumstance. Her daughter was severely 
demon possessed and we can just probably imagine what the ramifications of that were for her, for her family life, etc. We knew that Jesus spoke in parables and did things like that. He would have known that woman's response. He was teaching the disciples a lesson and he would also teaching us as Christians a lesson as we, as we read it. But this woman said, her response was like, if it's the bread, I'll take the breadcrumbs. I'll take the breadcrumbs, God. The breadcrumbs aren't significant. Uh, uh, the breadcrumbs aren't insignificant to me. I'll take those breadcrumbs. If the breadcrumbs are just on offer, I'll take that. I'll take whatever opportunity, just one touch from you, just to hear your voice, just to hear a gentle whisper. Just some opportunity that you give, into my, give to me. I'll take whatever you give me, even if it's just a breadcrumb opportunity. Because there's not a lot of substance in a breadcrumb, but there's substance in the living God. And when we give our breadcrumb to him and submit it to him and unto him the opportunities that we have, again, our God is limitless and he can turn a breadcrumb into a feast. He can do anything. When we're desperate, when we're under pressure, we're in difficult times, it can lead us to actually going, God, I'll take whatever opportunity you give me, and that's where God wants us to be, he wants us to be hungry, he wants us to be seeking after him, he wants us to be drawing near to him and realizing what's in our hand, realizing what he's given us. And could it be, could it be that the insignificant opportunities that we have with God multiplying it and doing something amazing with it, wouldn't that give more glory to God? God likes to work the other way around. I just encourage, take whatever's in your hand, whatever you can see. Take a check, take an analysis, do an audit of your life, be grateful, be thankful for it. Okay, God, it's all yours, even the small things. I think the most significant thing that we can do when we think about pressing on and pressing towards is actually pressing into him, pressing into God. And I've sometimes thought that at different times, a relationship with God is this nice little thing and that, that it's like God's like a big snuggly bear and like, okay, cool God, like I'm just going to lean into you and give you a hug if I want to and this is cool but it's what I've found out in my experience is that it's not really like that because if there's one thing that the enemy if there's one thing that principalities and powers of darkness is going to oppose it's you having a relationship with God it's you knowing him because when you know him you know the truth, you know his word, and that sets you free. When you know him, that's where the power for life comes from, from knowing him. That's where victories, that's where walking in freedom, that's where walking and pressing on comes from, from knowing him. And the enemy, under the sovereignty of God, if he could, would probably send every demon from hell to assault and stop you from knowing God. It is so important, and that is the biggest thing that we can do to actually press into him, to actually know him. To me, 
you know, a relationship with God is more like blood, sweat and tears. You know, it's a fight and it's a battle. I don't know about you, but I don't wake up in the morning with my hands raised, singing praise and hallelujah to God immediately. I don't do that. In fact, transparency, honesty, it's more like probably me going to the scriptures and reading them almost begrudgingly. Almost like, okay, God, yeah, I'll go and start this and read it. and seems a bit boring and that sort of thing. But stick with me. Hold, yeah, stay with me. <laughs> I'm not going to leave on that note. I'm not going to drop the mile or finish the sermon on that note. So just stay with me. What I do know is this, is that God's promises is if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. If we seek him with all our heart, we'll find him. Apart from faith, it's impossible to please God, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what I do know is if I hang in there, if I go to God, even feeling a bit begrudgingly, even feeling a bit wayward or or whatever, not feeling like it, that doesn't scare God. God's not afraid of that. But if I hang in there and read the scriptures and persevere and stick in there to seek God daily, and for me, listening to worship music's good. For me, going for a run particularly or drive to pray, because if I don't do that often, I'll be straight back to sleep or on Facebook or YouTube or something. So I'm trying to be practical about this thing too. So, but I know that if I do that, I'm going to hear God's voice. Because the Bible says is that when we seek him with all our heart, we'll find him, right? When we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. He's a reward of those diligently seeking. What does he reward us with? I think ultimately himself. That actually that we can find him, that we can seek him. I'm telling you, there is nothing better. There is nothing better in this in the world. There is nothing better that we can have than just one touch from God. Just hearing a gentle whisper of his voice. Just one sense of his presence is better than anything this world can offer. Is that you, God? Um, so look, it's, it's about pressing on into him. And to experience, think, just think about it for a moment. Just, let's just can it kind of get away from cliches to all that sort of stuff. But we, we meet with him. We're meeting with the creator of the heavens and the earth. We're meeting with the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. We're meeting with the one who conquered sin and death. We're meeting with the one who's got the keys of Hades and hell. We're meeting with the one who destroyed the works of the devil. We're meeting with the one who is sinless and perfect and holy. And I don't know about you, but if there is a fight that I think is worth it, if there is a cost that I want to bear, it's to know him and to draw near to him and seek him. And if I have to get into scriptures and read it and persevere for a while or for however long and, and pray and, and that, if I'm going to find him, if I'm going to experience him, there is nothing better. There is nothing better than that in the world. There's nothing better in the heavens and earth than actually experiencing him. And that is what is worth pressing into. And actually pressing into him is the engine room for every other pursuit of pressing on in his calling. Pressing into him is the engine room 
that gives us the strength, that gives us the life, that gives us everything that we, we need, that pertains to the life of God, that gives us everything that we need to press on in life. If we try and press on as a Christian and don't press into him, we're going to be in trouble. But if we first seek him, if we first seek the things of the kingdom of God, if we first press into him, then it's going to give us all that we need and equip us and strengthen us in his presence and rest in him and the fruit of the spirit and vision and perspective of life. I don't know, when I seek God, I often find that life just slows down. When I find him, it just, things just, yeah, things just settle and it's quiet. It gives me perspective and it's like, yeah, that's right. It's, it's me and you, God. That's right. And that's what we've got to get. And I don't know about you, but this morning in terms of, which is with closing up and with finishing, in terms of a, a response, and, and perhaps the team can come and we'll play through one more song. But what I feel to, what I feel to um, put out there this morning is this, is that perhaps like me, you've found that too often, we're going with the flow, even with our Christian walk. That we're just sort of, we're kind of just going with the flow. Monday, yep. Tuesday, yep. Wednesday. Sunday's coming, yep. Thursday, Friday, do this, do that. But I want to challenge you to get in the thick of it. I want to challenge you to do what Paul says. This one thing I do, I forget about the things behind, I press on forward to the upward call in Christ Jesus. I press into him. And what we're going to do now is that if that's you and you want to respond to that, then I invite you to come up the front and join with me in the battle for the upward call in Christ Jesus.